I feel like anyone who actually listened to our podcast will understand that we're mostly speaking about our own experiences and it's pretty hard to throw someone's experience back on them. Uh, So that's generally what our podcast is about. It's just us talking about our very real experiences and our personal feelings. And we are always, always first to say we're not experts on anything. We are not answer givers. We're not interested in that or in giving advice or any of those kinds of things. We're just two women unpacking publicly our own feelings and experiences. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall and uh, joined by Cynthia Winward and also Susan Hinckley, who I can tell by listening to the At Last She Said It podcast uh, and by visiting with you guys ever so briefly before we started recording, the way you guys operate is very different than the way that I operate in that (laughs) Cynthia had several questions that she wanted to ask me before we started recording. And I find some of the best conversation exists before the mic ever gets turned on. And then I hate that I didn't allow that conversation to be recorded. So we just went ahead and started recording. Uh, go ahead and ask your question, Cynthia. This will be a part of the episode and will not be edited out. You should be warned. Well, then I'm not going to ask them because it was silly techie questions. Like, do you edit no. the podcast? No. Because if there's a, if you ask us like a really smart question, Susan and I want to sound really smart. So well, you'll gonna... sound really smart because no, you are really smart. We'll take 12 seconds to think. And so that was my question was, oh, do you I guess, edit out our brain I guess waves? I should say, I should say that like, if, if we were talking and all of a sudden you didn't say anything for like 20 seconds, I would probably shorten up that 20 seconds. But like Perfect. if in that 20 seconds of time, like you're sniffling because you're crying, you're feeling a lot of emotion and people can <laughs> feel that emotion. I probably am not going to cheapen it by shortening it. I will probably allow people to feel the emotions alongside you. Well, let's hope you don't ask anything that makes us break down and cry and sniffle. We're living but, our okay. nightmare scenario, Cynthia. Yeah. This yeah. is our nightmare, actually. Yeah. Here we are. They, they they responded in email form. If you don't know, at last she said it is a, a podcast now in its fifth season. Is that correct, ladies? No, just mm-hmm. heading into our sixth season, actually. Just finished fifth season, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and people um, may recognize your voice. We'll get into what you guys do on your podcast as part of our conversation today. Uh, but in an email correspondence, they said, Hey, give me the kind of questions you'd like to to ask us and all this stuff. And I said, guys, we'll be fine. We'll just trust me. We'll be fine. So that's how this conversation uh, begins via email. And now with the hitting of record on our Zoom has recorded this way. Uh, I want to give by way of introduction a little bit about Cynthia. This is, of course, from atlastshesaidit.org, where you can find all the information about their podcast. There's a link for it in the show notes. Says Cynthia Winward makes her home in Provo, Utah, though will always be a California girl. Uh, 15 years ago, she created Merengue Designs, an online business that sells her digital embroidery designs worldwide, holds a good degree in business management from BYU, loves baking, lemon meringue pie, and true to her Mexican heritage, the world's greatest red chili enchiladas. She loves traveling with her family, reading nonfiction, and getting up early. To which the only question that I had after reading that bio, because I feel like that's pretty concise, how early is early and what is wrong with you? (laughs) It's too early. This is all I can tell you. Go ahead, Cynthia. I'm I'm not sure how Susan and I are friends because, yes, I love getting up early. And I don't think that's your forte, Susan, is it? So it's a miracle that we're friends. 530 
is how early I get up in the summer. But when there is no sunshine, there is no sunshine in my soul. Yeah. So in the in the winter, I don't get up that early. But okay. You but know. you just like the time because uh, like family's not up and you can finally have five minutes of peace and quiet. Um, I credit my love of early mornings to early morning seminary. Okay. Because, you know, when you set the alarm for 4.55 in the morning for four years straight, it wears on you. It wears <laughs> on you big time. So I don't know. I think that's just how I'm wired. I just love getting up early and I live right on the Provo Trail. So I just walk the trails in the morning in the summer. Awesome. Awesome. And for people who don't know, it's a gorgeous trail that goes right along. I think the Provo River. Yep goes yep. right by Bridalville Falls, which is an amazing place. And there's various spots that you can go and see. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. Some of the best pictures out of Provo come from that particular trail. We go back to at last she said it.org as we get introduced to Susan Hinckley. Her bio says uh, she tells stories in words and pictures, is the creator of the web comic Gray Area, is a creative writing graduate from the University of Utah. So already we have rivals one from the BYU and one from the University of Utah, a longtime exhibitor with the American Craft Council, something I don't know what that is and we'll find out about. Her art appeared in numerous books and magazines and is in private collections across the United States. Her essays have appeared in Exponent 2, Dialogue, and Sunstone magazines. She splits her time between Arizona and Minnesota, but her heart is always in the desert. May I ask you, why Minnesota and Arizona? Ah, that's a great question for anyone who's been to Minnesota, particularly yes. in the winter. But yes. I unfortunately um, made the mistake of raising my children there, and therefore they think it's home. I don't know uh, what I don't know what's wrong with them. I uh, keep telling them there are better places, but uh, there, there they are. And the, so uh, the we follies are, of parenthood. Here. Exactly, you wish you could go back and do some things different, and Minnesota is one of them. You got that right. It's actually but, a beautiful place, but it's just not that beautiful. A lot of the year. Yeah. I'm told in the summertime, you can't find a better place in Minnesota because the thousand or 10,000 lakes or whatever, and every place is like what you'd see in one of those summer after school special, like campsites with kids and everyone's learning and growing and all that stuff. And that's absolutely true. But so many bugs and so much humidity that the summer really is not my favorite time in Minnesota either. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You split time between a place that you don't like in Arizona. Yeah, which... I love. I, there are so many things to love about Minnesota, but none of them uh, involve the weather. Culturally, fantastic place. Yeah, you could food? not ask for a better place to raise children. It's actually a pretty good food city because it's become a very diverse city. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, now the now one would ask. Uh, at last, she said it. Um, where did we get the name? How did you two get connected to each other? What is it about? I would love it if you guys would tag team it in true at last she said it forum and let me know if people are coming to this and going, I don't know what this is, but I know Richie picks great guests. Tell me about the podcast <laughs> and the two of you. I'm going to let Susan explain the title because it was her brainchild. And I think it applies more to you because I've said a lot, whereas Susan was more at last saying it. So we'll go ahead, Susan. Okay. I'm going to push back a little bit on that, Cynthia, because I think that you've said a lot of things on this podcast that you have never said in a Relief Society. Room. Okay. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that, but you, I stand corrected. Thank you. Yes. But you are much more likely than I am to call your stake president, make an appointment and express your discontent about, you know, a variety of subjects. So yes, we're different that way. For me, this is the first time saying 
pretty much everything. Um, but you've been saying things all along and that's why you're my hero. Uh, as for the name, yes, that came from me. We considered about 500 different names before we landed on this one. Hopefully the title is pretty much self-explanatory, but it's basically, um, Two Mormon women discussing complicated things about their faith and their church experience. And we, what we have found is that there were a lot of women having these same thoughts and experiences. And we just sort of unwittingly stepped into a place with a very, very rich conversation waiting to be had. So uh, we were my, lucky. My mind is curious as to what the runner-up to it last she said it was. Do you guys remember? Because <laughs> I, I contend that... Uh, harder than maybe even filling the beast of having to do an episode a week, if that's how you decide to publish it, or just the consistency of it, even harder than that is the naming of a podcast. So what was the runner up? It's a great oh question. I, I've never been asked that. I don't know. We really did. We we wrote down so many possibilities yeah. and chewed on them over a period of months before we started. Um, I can't even remember. No, I don't remember either. Was remember. there a pillar of light, forgive the crudeness of this question, moment mm -hmm. when you saw at last she said it and went, uh -huh. oh, that's yes. it? And tell me yes. about that experience. I was eating a bagel. That's all I can tell you about it. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> I can trace most of my foundational life experiences to what I was eating at the time. But okay. in that case, I was sitting in a bagel shop. So okay. yeah, we, we knew it when we when we hit on it, for sure. Well, because how many... How many women have sat in Relief Society rooms their entire adult lives and thought, I really want to say this, but I'm not going to say it for fill in the blank. A host of reasons. Host right? of reasons. It won't be well received. They will think I'm an apostate. I don't want to be preached at. I don't want, you know, it could go on and on. I don't want this to get back to my husband or my kids or whatever. And so we say all those things at last. So that's really kind of the the foundation of it is all the things we've been thinking uh, for decades and decades of our life. And now we're like, just just say it. Just say it, Susan and Cynthia. We have things to say about churchy stuff. So we do. Do you think that it's a, an evolution of kind of um, what you like your journey as far as life goes? Is it uh, a, a journey as far as your your church experience goes where you're just like, you know what, I feel like now is the time that I'm going to say it, whereas any time before wasn't the time that you were going to say it? Or is it because of current political climate or, you know, what? why now as opposed to 10 years ago? Well, you can tell by looking at us, Richie, that Susan and I are not 22 years old. So when you're 22 years old, maybe you don't say all the things out loud. Although this new generation, I think they do. Yeah, say maybe more. they do, Cynthia. They do. I don't know. But, but for some of us, uh, you know, it's uh, what good Mormon women do is yeah. is you defer and and you try to look nice and smile a lot. And I'm not saying necessarily Susan and I did all those things, but we did do some of those things where we tried to be well-behaved women. And then at least for me personally, I'm 48 years old and you reach something happens to women in their 40s, at least the friends that I have where we get to this age and we say, you know what? I have no more and I'm going to I'm not going to swear but I'm going we we have this on an episode. I have no clucks to give. Mm -hmm. Like I have no more clucks to give. And so we just decided I'm going to say these things. What could possibly happen? Well, the answer to that is only good things have happened. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands now of women have contacted us and say things like I thought I was crazy 
or I thought I was the only one, or thank you for helping me find the words to talk about things with whoever, fill in the blank, my husband, relief study president, bishop, state president, whoever. Do you guys think that there is uh, um, a feeling where it would be also an at last he said it? Or do you think this is a particular female thing within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Mm. What do you think, Susan? I think that we have no um, frame of reference for answering that question, really. But I would say uh, my perception of it as a woman is that men have more opportunity to express themselves in the church uh, in ways and places that matter, and probably also less hesitation to do so for a variety of reasons. As you were describing it, Cynthia, I was thinking, have I ever hesitated to say something? And and I think that, m- that my thought is, is that there probably are people who have hesitated. That person has never been me, ever. Mm-hmm. I have always been the one, you know, even as recent as just this last Sunday where I'm like, I lean over to the person next to me in my new ward and I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and pull the pin on this grenade and made a comment and just, I, I'm, I'm not afraid of it. And I just feel like it to me, if I'm not sharing the things that are on my mind and in my heart, there's literally no point for me to be in that room. Mm. And have you ever paid a price though, for saying those things out loud? Uh, I mean, <laughs> define a price, I guess. Lost well, a calling, exactly. lost a relationship. Your children uh, suffered fallout as a result of that. Your um, well, influence I mean, influence in the ward, any of yeah, those things. Yeah, interesting, right? I mean, I guess I'm oblivious enough to not know if that has occurred. Mm-hmm. You guys don't know me, so to give you a little bit of a, a snapshot of who I am, I was um, excommunicated from the church for something completely separate. It was sexual things in my 20s, which is a whole different discussion we could have at another time as to why or why not a 20-year-old should be excommunicated for sexual things. But mm. I digress. Uh, but, but I mean, my wife's not a member of the church. I don't have kids. So I guess I, you know, some of those considerations, I, I guess I'm just sort of a lone ranger. But I don't feel like I've ever had anyone come up and be like, you're a real jerk, or I can't believe that you've said that. But to your the two of your point, most of the times whenever I have spoken out or said anything, I get things like, thank you. Thank you for sharing this thing that I didn't feel safe to share. Thank you for considering that's my son. That's my daughter. That's my family. That's that kind of thing. Love it. But, but I don't know if people come up and do say, if we're in within the culture of niceness that we have, if people do come up and go, you're a real jerk. Just wanted you to know that. Mm. Well, the list that Susan ran through of all those things are things that I think we've talked about probably every single one of those things before on the podcast, Susan. I, I Absolutely. know yeah. I know Susan has lost a calling. I know really? I've been uh-huh. I so tell so tell me let hold on. Let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. It, to the point that you're comfortable, obviously, Susan. What what was it that you shared and said? And then how did did they cite come to you and say the reason why you were being removed from this calling is because this is what you said or what you shared? It's a much longer uh, and more involved story than that, okay. but it was more um, a way of being, I guess. It was more a way of being than anything specific that I said. Hmm. It was more sort of my orientation to the whole calling and the way that um, I was comfortable and and willing to do that calling. There were simply concessions that I was not willing to make in that ward. And as a result of that, um, yes, I did lose my calling. And yes, that was very direct. Um, so anyway, it happens. It happens to a lot of women. It's certainly, it's certainly not just me. Cynthia and I hear 
all the time, the things that women not only have suffered, but that they perceive to be on the line if they are to share things. Marriages are very much on the line. Friendships are definitely on the line. Other family relationships are on the line. Their children's um, well-being and award is on the line. And I also have been um, a victim of my family has been a victim of, of that. And uh, so, yeah, there are all kinds of things. Uh, I've seen women completely lose their voice and influence an award based on things that they said um, in official and not official settings and ways. And so, yeah, this is a very real thing that women live with. Um, And I I guess for me, I just feel super ignorant about it. So I'm I'm genuinely asking questions from a place of trying to understand this. I don't want you either of you guys to feel like he's like, oh, what is he? Does he not think this is a thing? Of course, it's a thing. I being a man and not having experienced these things, right. I genuinely want to know more about them because I don't want them to exist or don't think they should exist or very rarely think they should exist. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And I, it, it gives me a lot of, hearing a little bit more about your story gives me a lot of context as to why you may not perceive the same threat that many women that we are in contact with do or that we have experienced ourselves. You know, your spouse isn't a member. Um, you don't have children uh, in your ward, and so it's just it's just a little bit it's a little bit different. So let's talk about the the family part of it. So, if, if I'm understanding correctly, there is something that you could do or say within a ward that would make essentially like your house not the the safe house to play at. Is that what you mean, or is it one hundred percent? That's a great way to phrase it. Yes, mm. my children were not the safe children to play with. So, so I, I don't, um, I don't understand that. Can you help me? Like, <laughs> be, we can't youth, understand it. We either. don't understand it either. It's just a cultural truth, unfortunately. But like, I, I, I'm struggling for words for this. So like in Utah, you hear this anecdotally about like, though that family is not a Mormon family. So we mm-hmm. don't play with non-Mormon family like that. <laughs> I, I don't agree with, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's proper and on and on and on and on. But I guess I understand not really where people would say, you know what, we don't hang out with people that aren't members of the church, but you are in fact a member of the church and your mm-hmm. family as such. So that is to me, this thing that even, even greater, even further than this idea of those are non-Mormons that we don't play with. Like these are people that are part of our faith, but not the right part of our faith. Not the, I don't get I think that's it. a I good description. Help me, Susan. Well, there are all kinds of things. They might be a, uh, I'm just going to say it. They might be a Democrat family. They okay. might have a dad who drinks coffee and they've got a coffee maker on their counter. They might have LGBTQ children or members of their family. I mean, there are all uh. kinds of ways that members uh, really suck sometimes. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think that that's accurate. <laughs> but that's just kind. That's just a cultural problem that I feel like we're trying to move past. We're trying to get better at this. I, I think uh, younger generations are better at it than my generation or, you know, the, the generations ahead of me. Um, I hope that we can be better than we are. I genuinely want that for us. I don't see that we're totally there yet. Cynthia, you're a, uh, a Provo uh, member of the church. Uh, the great UC, as it were. Uh, I, my my curiosity is: Do you see this sort of thing in in Provo, in a Utah County ward? The the idea of there are right Mormons and not right Mormons, or is it maybe we see it a little bit more not in the state of Utah? I think we see it here plenty. I I I haven't. I 
I come from California, but I haven't lived there since I was 18. Mm-hmm. But my experience being a Latter-day Saint in California has been different than here. Obviously, a lot of that is just age, you know, childhood versus adulthood. Sure. Um, but yeah, living in Provo, where I think, is it just Provo or Utah County is still, I'm sure it's not active, but 90, 90, 90 percent LDS. So you don't just see these people on Sunday. They see you when you go dump the garbage in the morning and you could be wearing a tank top. Scandalous. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Porn so, shoulders. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no way to necessarily hide uh, and just kind of live your own best life when you live in Provo, when all of your neighbors, um, I mean, my Bishop lives on my street. He lives mm-hmm. across the street. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? I mean, he's a great guy. I'm I'm not disparaging him in any way. He's, he's brand new. So you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I'm just saying that when your bishop lives across the street, um, you know, you feel like you're maybe a little bit more under the microscope. But to the point that Susan was saying about people paying a price, um, I haven't, that I know of necessarily been released from a calling like Susan was, but I know I've been turned down for a calling. I know I've had several friends who were young women's presidents um, several years in a row. And and at one point, you know, we'll be out on a walk or out to lunch or something. And they'll be like, I just keep submitting your name for such and such and young women's and it's always turned down. Hmm. And it's like, huh, I've been in the nursery for two years. It's not like they would be pulling me from a calling I had only been from for five minutes. And finally, one friend actually shared the exact wording uh, that oh. the bishops shared with her. And she said, here's Cynthia's name. I want her to be this calling. And he said, she's a really strong personality. Hmm. And the answer was no. And I have not served in young women's since. I always used to serve in young women's. When when my kids were little, my kids are all grown now, but when they were little is when I was always in there. And then once they became teenagers and I had two daughters in young women's, I thought, oh, it would make sense now for me to go back into young women's. And that, and that's when... Um, this kind of this conversation I told you about uh, between a friend and the bishop occurred. And I thought, oh, okay, I see the writing on the wall. If you're a feminist, if you speak up about equality, if you talk to other girls in the neighborhood and say, you can wear leggings when you're at girls camp. And this actually happened. I, I was allowed to go as an assignment to girls camp to be the cook. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they're not willing maybe to let me serve, but they'll let me cook the bacon at 6 a.m. So I'm at camp and we're cooking and they had a rule, no leggings, no leggings when you, you know, go to flag raising ceremony and, and the hikes and whatever. And there was a young woman in our group and she said, sister, when I only brought leggings, that's, that's all that I have right now. And I said, you wear the dang leggings. And if someone says anything to you, you tell them to come to sister Winward and I will talk to them about, um, you know, talk about how wrong it is to tell little girls what they can dress, like mm-hmm. how they can, like leggings, really? It's not a swimsuit. Yeah, I get you probably shouldn't wear a swimsuit when you go on the morning hike, Sure. you know, but leggings, why are we policing girls' clothing like this? Well, because leggings are tight. And so they decided that was inappropriate. So yeah, if you say things enough like that, like I do, it gets back to people and it's like, mm. okay. So yeah, in some ways I am a, if you want to quote unquote, difficult, be a difficult personality, because I'm going to push back and say, why, why can't the girls wear leggings at camp? Yeah. Yeah. We are very similar. 
accept obviously that I'm a man and that you're a woman, but to me, this just seems like the natural question of like, why, why are we doing this? Whatever mm-hmm. this is. And, and, uh, and it feels lousy that it would be treated different if I were questioning something than if you were questioning something just based completely on the fact that I'm a man or that you're a woman. Ugh, gross. Let's take a quick break. I want to come back uh, in the second block and I want to talk about the term feminism because I think All that right. I, I think that that is a lot of there is a lot behind that. Uh, we'll come back and we'll do that in the second block of the cultural hall. Bestdjinutah.com is a website that you need to go to if you would like to party with me. Now, Just because it says Utah as part of the URL does not mean that it has to be in the state of Utah. I've traveled to such illustrious places as Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, Washington, and others, Idaho as well. If uh, if you're having an event and you think, you know what, I would love the energy, the charisma that is Richie uh, to be able to bless the event. I don't know why I said bless. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Maybe you, you yourself are getting married or has been the case multiple times this year. You are the apparent not a parent, just the parent, uh, or one of the parents, because there's multiple parents. I'm getting distracted. You are one of the parents of the bride or groom, and you think, Richie would be great to be at this event. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Be sure that you mentioned uh, that you hear it on the cultural hall. I may, in fact, even get you a little bit of a discount. Who knows? We'll see how I feel that day. It's bestdjinutah.com. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops with breaking news. Windows 11 is now here. It's fast and it's beautiful. So let's make sure your computer's ready to run it. Bring your PC into any PC Laptops right now at PCLaptops.com. PCLaptops.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember that you can become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall. You go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall uh, and you can put your money where your ears are it gives financial support to the cultural hall we're not a 501c3 like at last she said it is so you're you're putting this money square in my pocket and i don't have to tell the federal government well i guess technically now i do i digress patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall as you do it and remember you get to be a part of the secret but not sacred facebook group that all the patreon saints are hanging out on uh so come and join us there Ladies, the term feminist, feminism, the feminist movement, all of these things is so um, electrified, is so charged. Uh, I, I would be curious to know how each of you define sort of feminism. And then is there a place for feminism in the church that isn't this charge thing? Or is feminism just a charge thing because of how the church is? Lots of questions. I expect you to remember them and answer them specifically as I ask them. The first one being, how would each of you define feminism? Feminism is the radical idea that uh, uh, women are people and we should be equal. And not just women. Feminism hopefully has expanded to all marginalized people. So we try to speak up for LGBTQ persons and people of color. So, you know, those who are differently abled. So I hope that uh, feminism has a broad term, but of but a broad meaning. But of course, I understand that at least in the United States of America, and we recently talked about this on our on our podcast. We had a two part episode called uh, "Your Feminist Awakening." Is that right, Susan? Um, meeting your feminist self. Meeting your feminist self. Thank you. Where we did talk about feminist awakenings, and we right away had a disclosure uh, at the beginning, saying we understand that this isn't everyone's favorite word. Uh, in the United States of America, that could be very political. It, it could mean that you, you people think it means 
you know, that you're a, a Democrat, heaven forbid, and, and that you want everyone to have abortions. I mean, it's just ridiculous what it has evolved to be. And yet we don't have a better word. We don't really have a better I mean, I guess I could say I am pro-egalitarianism, but, you know, that's kind of a mouthful. So sure. as a woman, and people I'm go, I don't know even what I don't even know what that means. What that and means. quickly sure. gloss over. Sure. Sure. So I think yeah, feminism is my... one of those words that gets about in the way that the patriarchy does. There's nothing, you know, inherently bad about what it's describing. It's just a description. It's just a description. Mm-hmm. There, there's no, you know, moral value to that word. Um, but it, you know, when you're looking at something through a feminist lens, then you're prioritizing the woman's experience of it. And that does change the way that you look at and approach opportunities, ideas, all kinds of things. Women are having a different experience than men are very often in the world and at church, especially in our church, you know, yeah, it's our experiences are not the same. How do you suppose that we, um, or is it possible that we can, um, what am I trying to say here? I don't want to say take the power out of it, but because sometimes I think there are there are um, sanely minded people who would hear an idea and go, "Oh, that idea is that rings true to me. That that is how I see the gospel." But for some reason, when it's attached to feminism, they instantly mm-hmm. go, "No thanks. Whatever Absolutely. that is, I'm Absolutely. not going to listen." Ah, la 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 la. How how do we kind of discharge some of that that we feeling spent- around it? We spent five seasons basically trying to do that with the word patriarchy, trying to help people understand that that is a description of a system that, you know, it doesn't have, there, there's nothing evil about that word. We're not making any kind of value judgment against the church or anything by using it. That's the description of the system that we're operating in. And with mm-hmm. feminism, it's the same thing. And we kind of have just started to do that with feminism, kind of in the second half of season five. Um I'm not sure why we were comfortable taking on patriarchy before we were comfortable taking on feminism, Cynthia. I mean, maybe that tells you where they rank in the order of scary words, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But we have found that, I mean, we haven't specifically talked about that, but I believe that our audience is having a harder time with the word feminism, perhaps, than they had with patriarchy. And they had a pretty hard time with patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, feminism is a, that's a naughty word. Opening it up a little bit, what do people that listen to you speak about feminism? What what do they struggle with? What what's the challenge? What's the to them? I think for a lot of women, um, and we did get a lot of feedback from our recent episodes that had feminist, you know, right there in the title, is they said, you know, I didn't used to consider myself a feminist, and then this happened. Fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. Um, they don't exactly say why, but just being an American woman myself, I just think, I think most of it is political, but also maybe as Latter-day Saint women, I think a lot think that means they hate motherhood. Hmm. Uh, oh, it implies all kinds of things. Yeah, think, it implies a lot minds. of things. Yeah. But I'm just trying to think what specifically about it for Latter-day Saint women um, is feminist an F word to them. And, and that's one thing I can think of is it means we're against women becoming mothers, against being stay-at-home moms, which is hilarious because, I mean, Susan and I have spent the majority of our adult lives raising children at home with our husbands being the main breadwinners, and yet we identified, still do, as feminists. So 
you know, it kind of leaves people maybe scratching their heads sometime that it's like, wait, you don't hate men. You don't hate motherhood. You know, you're a, you're a Latter-day Saint woman who's raised children and, and even stayed at home with them most of the time. So I don't know. It's, it's probably worth exploring that idea more, actually. What was it about that specific word? What is word? it about that word? Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's also some por- a portion of it that, um, I guess, and this is, you know, again, my perspective or my ignorance on display. Welcome everyone to my ignorance. An hour with Richie and uh, but do you think that a, a, a abortion plays into that as well? Because it seems like so many yep. people kind of. I mean, I I can't tell you the amount of conversations that I had with people whom I didn't deem to be a political party that they were, but they're like abortion man, and I'm like, but there's like a hundred other things that you're voting for with that person, and they're like, yeah, but abortion man, and I was like. Ah, I feel like we're missing the point. So this is the mm. thing that you would rather vote for. Yeah, abortion. Okay. Well, I would say for Latter-day Saints, substitute the ERA. And, you know, maybe you're too young to remember mm-hmm. when the church went on its mighty crusade against the ERA, but that was during my formative years. And uh, that was just about supporting the ERA was about the worst thing that you could do. Bring and people in I the think, loop if if they don't know what the ERA is and what you're talking about. It's the Equal Rights Amendment. And the church, um, sort of similar to what they did with Prop 8, the church went on a very specific um, crusade against passage of that, including, you know, throwing resources, um, financial resources uh, into that fight. And that was well known that we were one of the big voices in the country against it at the time. You know, we held rallies, women flew to places to protest against it. I mean, this is this is just something historically that happened. And so for particularly older people, feminism is very much associated with that. Um, there are specific women's names that are associated with kind of that time and with the feminist movement within the church and in the United States that I think people would also consider um, dirty words basically. Mm -hmm. And so feminist is guilty by association, uh, historically to a whole thing. And so like, like you would, like you bring up abortion, I think, yes, definitely. That's one of the things, but even go back a little further because we're in a kind of hot abortion moment right now. We've been in other hot abortion moments historically, right? But, but also the ERA was part of that. And so there are shadows of that that definitely remain and taint that word for us now. And just for a little historical context as well, as I understand it, there are only a small handful of states that haven't ratified the ERA, and Utah Correct. is one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. And the church is still against it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which on the surface, I think that someone that doesn't know anything about this, they go, wait, wait a minute, why is why is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints against a thing called the Equal Rights Amendment? And then you have to research into, like you say, the very complex history as to where, you know, where they got involved, why they got involved, what they said should be in place of it and all of these things. And that's right. not what this conversation is about, but, but it does just on the surface, you kind of go, wait, what, 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 or what of all We're the scratching things? our heads too. Yeah. Yeah. But the word feminist is definitely a victim of that story. Mm-hmm. Well, and it doesn't help that we had elder Packer in the early nineties who said the three great, Greatest threats against the church are homosexuals, the enemies of feminists, the church. and intellectuals. That's right, right, enemies of the church. Yeah, feminists, intellectuals, homosexuals. Mm-hmm. So we were specifically named by an apostle that, oh, these 
these are the bad people that are going to take us down, that are the biggest threat. Those were his words. So is it any wonder that even though that was said eh, 30-ish years ago. Yeah, 30 years ago. That it still is that, well, that's an ouchy moment. Like that really hurts. I mean, I I, I was graduating from high school then. Um, so I don't remember uh, the temperature in the air when he said that. But but since then, it's definitely a phrase that's thrown around a lot. Like, well, you know, these President Packer wasn't a big fan of, you know, gay folks and feminists and people who well, think we, they're too smart. We have a pretty good history of excommunicating outspoken feminists also yeah. in the church. Referencing, obviously, the September 6th, but also others that yes. have found themselves in more recent history. Kate Kelly, who's been a guest here in the Cultural Hall before. We yeah. visited with her as well. Uh, I I find, um, I can't remember. I wish that I could cite it because now I'm just doing that thing that every Mormon person does that I hate. But the, uh, the who, ah, shoot, someone said, uh, <laughs> that, uh, in far, as far as reaction to Elder Packer's comments about the intellectuals, the feminists, and the homosexuals, said fairly famously that's the party i want to be at mm. and Sounds i that's good wait yeah, i might have said that yeah, yeah it was you susan that's that's right it was you this apocryphal citation to no one sure. i love it uh i want to take another break real quick uh when we come back there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall we'll get to those plus we've got some others to get us there we'll come back and do that in the third block Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember, you can always rate or review each episode. Uh, you can also just review the show. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are allowed to leave a review. And I would encourage you to do so. One, because I don't ask very often. Two, because this is a great episode. And three, doesn't it feel good when you tell people about something that you love? Five stars and then leave some words saying like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing. I look forward to it every week or something like that. Now, if you feel compelled to be like, oh, I can't believe it. Feminists, this is horrible. I want to leave a, love, uh, a one-star review. I would invite you to keep that to yourself. Nobody needs that negativity. Just leave that like what your mom said. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And, and if I can quote myself, shut up. Don't don't share those things. There we go. Uh, now, Susan, Cynthia, I want to I, I want to ask you about this because, um, as I mentioned, had Kate Kelly on the show. This is you know a dozen, maybe ten years back. This is in the in the main movement of the ordained women before she was excommunicated. We visited with her about women in the priesthood, about feminism, some of the things that we've touched on. Obviously, we know now, spoiler, if you didn't know the last decade, she's been excommunicated um, and is now living a life not in the church. Do you guys ever have any sort of concern or worry about that with you because of comments that you say on at last she said it or here in the cultural hall? You want to take that or you want me to take that, Cynthia? You go first. <laughs> I'll go first. 
Uh, I'm going to be serious for just a minute then in answering this question, because it's something that we get asked a lot. It's something that we thought a lot about before we started this podcast. We wanted, we, we came to the mutual decision that if there came a time that we were asked to take down our content, the answer would be no. And we both agreed on that. Um, and so we, we sort of had that thought going into it, but as I've sat with it over these few years that we have been uh, doing this podcast, my thinking about it has changed. I used to sort of be afraid of it. I used to sort of dread it. I used to think, oh, no, what if? Mm -hmm. uh, now I'm coming to the point where I actually would welcome that conversation um, because there are things that I'd like to say and that I would like very much for leaders to hear and understand about the woman's experience in the church. And if they were to call me in, um, I would say our podcast is not your problem, but you mm -hmm. do have a problem. And the problem is whatever is sitting behind the hundreds of interactions, emails, you know, voicemails, everything that we get from our listeners and the pain that they're expressing. That's where your problem is. And I think you really need to get serious about understanding what that is. And so in a way, um, I'm not going to say that I hope for the opportunity necessarily to have that conversation, but I will welcome it if it happens. I feel strongly that there are two options. Either they don't understand what's going on with many women in the church right now, and mm -hmm. I can't I can't believe that would be true because I know that they're they've got their fingers on the pulse of everything all the time. You know, they pay people to gather this information. So I think they I think they know. Mm -hmm. But so either they don't know or they don't care. And I really don't like either of those options uh, in a pastoral setting. Uh, you know, this is what church leaders are are meant to be doing, uh, is uh, shepherding us through life's hardships and, and giving us what we need. And um, women, very many women, don't want to paint, paint with too broad a brush, but many women are not getting or not finding what they need in their church experience right now. Cynthia? I don't anticipate that happening Uh but of course, I wouldn't be surprised if it did, just because I think uh, I think it would be very I think it's very probable that Susan and I are misunderstood and what we are doing could be misunderstood by men in charge. Um, not that I don't think there are women in charge who maybe don't have problems with maybe some of the things we say for sure. Uh, most of the pushback I've ever gotten has been from women, actually, and that's a whole nother, That's another conversation. That's another conversation, <laughs> and, and we, in our season finale for season five called When Women Are the Problem. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's another conversation, but I say that because it's the men. The men are the only ones who could uh, do something towards my membership, and I decided a long time ago that I would not play defense that I would not go in there and try to defend myself. And I mean, I would probably say exactly what Susan said. There is a problem, but it's not us. And it's the problem is the thousands of emails that we get. Um, but I'm not going to go in there and defend myself and defend everything that we do. I think my our work stands for itself. And if there ever were a problem with that, we would just simply say, proceed with caution, gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Proceed with caution because you choose how this is going to play out and we have a microphone. So yeah, I don't think it will ever come to that. But but if it does, I'm 
like Susan said, I'm the kind of person that would make appointments with my state president anyway and have for years. And I'll go in with a list and I'll say, here are a list of things that could change without any doctrinal changes. Are you willing to talk about these things? And we go through the list and I have a respectful uh, relationship with him. He's a good man. We've talked about things. Sometimes he'll be like, yeah, why can't we have ushers at state conference that are the young women? I know it's crumbs. I'm, this is me speaking. Yes, it's crumbs to give girls that job of being usher, but it's a visibility thing. Sure. It gives something for the girls to do. So on those kinds of things, it's like, yeah, okay, I got my, if you, you know, air quotes, my way on something like that. And then something else like, why can't women hold their babies when they're being blessed? That was a hands down, absolutely not. So, you know, I, I'm already okay with being face to face with men saying, here's something that could change. Are you willing to change it? But obviously that would be different if it were, if we were ever called in and, and we were told to take our podcast down or something that would be like a, no, that's not happening. So you do what you need to do. I suppose. I don't know. I, I would imagine too, that there's some level of, um, what, like, a, in, in not carefulness, that's not what I'm saying, but, uh, that, that when you speak and in, in what you guys share, that it's very authentically how you feel and you make sure that you you share how you authentically feel. Because sometimes I think people could misinterpret you or anything like that. And I think just as much as you want to make sure that you're understood for the things that you're saying, you also want to be understood for the things that you're not saying. And I really oh. appreciate that in the work that you guys have produced up to this point is, you know, I I I feel very similarly that you know there are there are eyes there are ears on the things that i do but i feel like for me man it is not anything that you're not going to hear if you ask me a question in a sunday school class or in an elders mm -hmm. quorum i am exactly i, I am not going to be hesitant about that and i'll be at the temple on friday night and i'll bring you know i'm bringing my headphones for when i clean the church on saturday and you know what i'm saying so it's exactly. yes maybe i feel that way but also all of these other things exist and and i'm okay and I'm here. So what, what is the issue? I feel like I, anyone yep. who actually listens to our podcast will understand that we're mostly speaking about our own experiences and it's pretty hard to throw someone's experience back on them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's generally what our podcast is about. It's just us talking about our very real experiences and our personal feelings. And we are always always first to say, we're not experts on anything. We are not answer givers. We're not interested in that or in giving advice or any of those kinds of things. We're just two women unpacking publicly our own feelings and experiences as lifelong members of the church who've served in all kinds of callings, lived in all kinds of places and wards, and, you know, just had a pretty, pretty broad experience. So there, we have stories. We got stories. <laughs> Uh, a couple nerdy questions that I would just be curious about. You guys do your show in seasons. Is That's obviously intentional. Is it so that each season can have a theme so that you can have a break throughout the year? Or why did you guys decide to do it that way? It's so that we can have breaks. We're basically five months on, two months off. Um, we Our shows are pretty heavily scripted well i say researched all you know i mean it's a little bit different mm -hmm. from your format and so there's a lot of work that goes a lot of preparatory work that goes into every episode it's a it's a pretty big job um producing the specific show that we're producing uh weekly so we we do need breaks it's like I, getting a sacrament talk every week richie oh that's I know. exactly what it's like <laughs> you, you know you know what that's like too and and with us it's like 
you know, I want to read this book before uh, we do this episode and, and right. study the study the scripture story, you know, of this beforehand. And and anyway, those kinds of things take weeks for mm-hmm. each episode. And then, I mean, Susan and I do everything. This is, you know, this is a, a two lady operation. So that's a lot of work to do all the editing and the uploading and the website work and, and the social media presence. And so, yeah, we, we do five months on, and then right now we just started our break. And so I'm baking a lot of bread these days. And yeah, you are good. Yeah, you are. Anything good, anything good as far as the bread goes? Uh, sourdough bread. Yesterday yeah. it was cranberry almond sourdough. Oh, day before that it was sourdough English muffins. I could go on. Seriously. I've been baking every day because it's unusually cold in Utah this fall. I'm not happy. Yeah. No, forget it. I don't know what we did. We prayed for all that moisture and then we got it in four days. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so, uh, then the other thing that I wanted to point out to people is if they like the conversation that we've had, I mentioned that people can go to Patreon for us, but you guys being a 501c3, people can make donations to the work that you're doing. And that has some tax advantages because you are a 501c3. So I would encourage people, if they've never listened, obviously, to listen and and be able to get a flair for what you guys are, uh, subscribe and leave comments for them as well. And you can put your money where your mouth is for them. Uh, and, uh, And I think that that's important. Being a creator takes a lot of work, takes a lot of time, and oftentimes just feels more like a passion that you're doing into a vacuum that no one cares about until people people (laughs) put some money behind it or send you that email that goes, hey, what a great job this was. We really appreciate it. I uh, I would also be curious to know, with wrapping the season just recently and mo- looking forward to the season, what can people expect that you have not yet talked about or that you're going to go a little further into to kind of whet our appetites for the upcoming season? Hmm. Where are we going, Susan? Where well, are we one going? of the things that we added in season five uh, was uh, we took a giant leap forward in technology uh, that enabled our listeners to leave us voicemails. And so we started throwing out a question before an episode and then getting women to share their stories and experiences around that question with us. And we have episodes that are just, you know, our listeners' voices, not us so much talking. Um, And when we started this podcast, one of the main goals was to amplify women's voices and experiences. And now I feel like we're finally hitting our stride with that. We feature a lot of women's voices and diverse Mm -hmm. women's experiences. And so I think our listeners can expect for that to continue and to grow. There will be much more of that. Because I think it's easy to dismiss maybe, oh, that's Cynthia and that's Susan. They're, you know, two angry feminists, Mm because let's face it, those two words go together, together, angry feminists. Uh, But I think it's a lot harder to dismiss the 52. I think we had 52 women highlighted on uh, our, our two most recent episodes about those feminist awakenings that we were talking about in, mm. in their own words, like these are their voices, you know, they're, they're doing the carpool, they're driving and, and they're, they're leaving voicemails while they're, while they're driving the car. And, and it just blew us away the things that women wanted to talk about. So I hope we can keep highlighting all of those experiences of women all around the world. It, it's, it was so great. We have women with thick accents, you know, we're not sure where <laughs> they're even calling from in the world. I mean, it's, it's pretty fantastic to. Yeah. It was to Spanish fork. It was Spanish fork. It was, it was, it was Spanish, Spanish fork. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
<laughs> one of the other episodes we did that way this season was about ceilings, about how um, the church's disparity in policy between oh men gosh. and women for ceilings creates complications in people's sure. lives. And so we had women call and share their stories about that. And it's one thing for Cynthia, for me to stand up and say, you know, this is a complicated thing that causes women pain. That's one thing. But to have, you know, 30 or 40 women uh, express their pain in the very real stories that they're living through, that's a that's a completely different thing. That's a lot harder for people to say. It's not complicated. It's inspired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's... Well, and the other thing of that that I think is, and this, especially for the people that hurt so much from this, like this seems maybe even like like a downplaying of it, but if you haven't ever experienced it, you don't know. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it's like, um, you know, I, I feel like you heard this reiterated a lot um, with like homosexuality in the church, right? There are those people that can be very adamant against homosexuality, and but they've never known anyone who's homosexual. Instantly, their kid or someone that they love and, and they want 180 degrees change because they'd never had any sort of experience. They didn't have context for it. And so right. being able to to share the stories so that people go... Yeah, you know what? Actually, this doesn't affect me, but it does affect me because these are my brothers and sisters. And I think that that's just a, a tremendously powerful place, a position that that uh, I'm glad you guys take the responsibility of very seriously in the way that you do it. There are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I will ask those of you now uh, and whoever wants to go first can go first. It doesn't matter. I don't care. The first question is, is do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? I teach the 12-year-olds in Sunday school. So come follow me. That's the that's my calling right now is teaching that to the to the 12-year-olds. And it's pretty fantastic. It's I, I think I can I I know how to color within the lines. So you know, I know not to show up at church and and share all these crazy things, but I will say like on Sunday, it was my teaching partner teaching, and and she gave the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, isn't this a cool story? And and then I said, and did you know there's also like a female version of this in uh, the Acts of Paul and Thecla? You know, that's an apocryphal book. So this book isn't in the Bible, but it tells a similar story of Thecla, a young missionary. She was with Paul, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was just really cool that I could tell kind of a similar story where Thecla herself was tied to a lion and the lion didn't eat her. And it sounds like an outrageous story, but it's not any more outrageous than Daniel. And so it was kind of cool. I can talk about those things with 12-year-old kids. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. She wasn't eaten by a lion either. Do you think I could share that story in Gospel Doctrine? No. Probably not so much without them, you know, saying you can't talk about something in the Apocrypha or something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it's just a story, why not? I'm not, you know. Anyway, so it's it's been a fabulous calling this year to have. What about for you, Susan? I don't have a calling right now beyond being a minister. I was released from Teaching Relief Society during COVID, during the time that we were on shutdown. And what coincided with that was me becoming a snowbird at the same time. So it's mm. difficult when you're six months in one place and six months in another uh, to you know, I, I can understand why they don't know exactly where to put me uh, mm -hmm. at this point. But and I and but I will say, and I I don't really mean this tongue in cheek at all. I feel like the work that I'm doing on it last she said it is a calling. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, the second question that we ask everyone is, uh, if you could pick a calling, either one that's made uh, one that's made up or one that exists, 
what would you pick? And it's for you. If you could pick a calling for you, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? I think I wish we could have a calling where uh, women do the conducting and sacrament meeting. I'm not even going to be so crazy as to say a woman should be in the bishopric, although women should be in a bishopric. But how cool would that be to just have a separate calling of someone who's like, hey, welcome brothers and sisters here. Oh, we know it's snowing outside today, but thanks for coming anyway. Like just someone to to kind of you know, who's the, who's, what do they call the person that like opens for someone else? You want to be comedian? an MC, basically. Actually, yeah, I want to be the MC, Susan. <laughs> I, I want to be like, hey, sister, looking good in your purple. Thanks for coming today. I think that would be so, so fun. I, I've said to Susan before, it'd be like being a Walmart greeter. Like that'd yeah. be just really fun to say hi to everybody. That You'd be that good at it, in. Cynthia. It'd be fun. Well, I think that's good for you. And, and doctrinally, nothing wrong with it. I mean, I would imagine. Oh, like, why? I mean, it's, it's, out, it's out of the it's out of the norm, certainly. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the bishop's still presiding, and he's like, you know what, Cynthia, you got this. Tell yeah. people what hymn we're singing, and then sure. turn the time over to someone. Yeah. What about you, Susan? Uh, I would like to be. I would like to make it official uh, that uh, I'm a space maker. Actually, I'm an elbow user, and I would like that to be a calling because I think every single ward could use one and maybe a dozen actually, depending on the ward you are and how uh, hard it is to find a place in the pews for you. But uh, yeah, I'd like to be a space maker. I felt uh, very called to that about 22, 23 years ago. I I had an experience where I felt like that was a calling that descended upon me. Yeah. I'm one of those people who hears callings for myself, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll also take official ones, by the way. But uh, anyway, that that one, that's one that I, I am space maker at large. I'd like to make that official. So so I have just a question about it because I thought that I follow, was following you as to what you meant. Do you mean like a uh, like an emotional space maker? Like we want you to be in the church and there's an emotional and spiritual space for you to be there? Or are you talking literally like, hey, scoot over. This person needs to sit there. We don't have enough room and we're not opening up the the thing in the back. Or do you mean a little bit of both? I think you just described the same thing twice. I think that that is yes. My answer to you is yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> Many people do not feel space for themselves. Okay. Uh, okay. And uh, I, I, as a person who has never felt space for myself uh, my whole life, I feel that deeply. And so I want, I want there to be room for everyone among us. I am on board with both of those callings or the same calling said diff- two different ways. I, I will take that. Uh, the final question that we ask everyone, we ask you to interpret it however you may. But the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? Community. I think people are holy. I think people are sacred. I think they're stories. I think you just don't ever understand completely what people go through. And I think there's so much room for us, like Susan was just saying, so much space for diversity that I love showing up. And I love sometimes even being agitated in the pews when, you know, Brother so-and-so is in his testimony being homophobic again. And I'm just trying to sit, sit, I'm sitting there thinking, trying to give him grace, thinking what has happened in his life to make him be this way? What is it about his generation? What can be done? What would that be like to be that afraid, to be that afraid of a, a group of people? And that's good for me because I can construct my life in such a way that I only ever have to hang out with people that are like-minded. 
Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's community is such a sacred and holy thing. It stretches and grows me. And and hopefully I have something to offer as as well to other people, whether it's just showing up and washing dishes at at the funeral, you know, at the church. I try to do those little things too, like like you, Richie, showing up with my earbuds and cleaning the church, showing up washing dishes at the funeral. You know, if you show up and you do the work, it's pretty hard for people to completely dismiss you. So I'm in it for community. Susan? I'm in it for hope, actually. I find hope in the people. I find hope in the music. I find hope in our theology. I have found hope personally in my association uh, with my faith. And uh, the journey is a hopeful one for me. So I I find the idea that I can get someplace better than I am now and be someone better than I am now uh, to be a compelling idea. Cynthia Woodward and Susan Hinckley from At Last She Said It. Uh, the the ride is over. It's almost come to a complete stop. You didn't know where it was going to go. Are we all right with what transpired? I'm not editing it or changing it. I just want to make sure that you guys feel all right with how this went, that uh, fears were put to rest, and at very least that you're like, well, now it's done. At least I mean, I feel pretty done. powerless by that description, but I'm used to feeling pretty powerless. Oh. So uh, <laughs> ah, there. there you go. There it is. Uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. <laughs>